This morning's readings suggest the vital role location plays in the story. Moses meets God on the mountain. Jesus is visited by Moses and Elijah on the mountain. Location is so important that the imagery of mountaintop is, for some, the hallmark of an authentic spiritual experience. When I was a kid, church camp was heralded as a mountaintop experience. Of course, I was the kid who hated camp and thought that the entire thing must surely be closer to a conception of eternal torment, but even if camp wasn't my thing, the image still stands. Climbing to a peak and overlooking a vista of God's creation, whether it's a valley below or a pristine lake or the vastness of the ocean. How can one help but feel closer to God in those moments of awe and wonder at the magnificence of nature? Yet the image doesn't stop with the setting of the story. For both Moses on Mount Sinai and Jesus at the Transfiguration, there is transformation through relationship. There was something physically, visibly different about Moses after he had been in the presence of God. The intimacy of his encounter with God changed his very being. In the Transfiguration story, Jesus is fostering relationships on three fronts. First, he desires to go away to pray, but he doesn't go alone. He takes some of his closest friends with him, Peter and John and James, to spend time with God. The second stream of Jesus' relationality on the mountain is with God. The Gospel doesn't tell us what was on Jesus' heart and mind when he went to pray that day. But this interlude happens a week after the first time he predicts his death. So it's not unreasonable to think that Jesus might have been burdened by the suffering he knew to be imminent. The Gospel does tell us that Moses and Elijah spoke to Jesus about his departure, his exodus. Which brings us to the third aspect of Jesus' relational experience in the Transfiguration. Two of Israel's spiritual heroes show up to chat with Jesus about what's going on in his life. I'd like to think that what resulted from the conversation between God the Father and God the Son was the Father's intervention in the form of an encouraging pep talk to his son, the rabbi, from Moses and Elijah. It sounds like something a parent would do when their kid was feeling down, huh? <laughs> Jesus is transformed by this encounter. We are told that the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Who among us has not been changed by the intimacy of relationship? by the love and light of acceptance and communion. I have heard many of you here talk about the transforming nature 
of your relationships in this parish, how your friendships in Christ have changed your lives. Two weeks ago, several of you were involved in a Crisio weekend, and your ongoing commitment to that ministry is a sign of the transformative power of relationship with God and with each other. Our so-called mountaintop experiences, those potent moments of spiritual intimacy, are born out of relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. We cherish those moments of closeness just as we cherish the relationships. So it is understandable that Peter's first instinct upon finding his teacher and friend talking with two great heroes of the faith is to capture the moment and stay in it, to build houses there on the mountain so they can continue to revel in the joy of companionship and prolong the encounter. Peter's hopes are dashed, and he's actually quite frightened as a cloud descends on them, and the voice of God declares Jesus as his son, the chosen one. And just like that, the moment is over. They emerge from the cloud, and Jesus' visitors have disappeared. It is time to descend the mountain and return to life among the crowds where Jesus' healing and teaching ministry continued. Even after witnessing such a remarkable experience, the disciples kept quiet and told no one any of the things they had seen. It may feel hard when we are involuntarily removed from the mountaintop of complete and total intimacy with God and with those who give us life, and instead find ourselves deposited back into the daily grind among people we'd rather just avoid. The truth is that if we actually stayed in those places, those places we deem set apart and somehow holier than the rest of our lives, the same demands we face would eventually creep in. To aspire to be off on the mountaintop with God allows us to ignore the needs of the people around us, the annoyance of conflict with personalities that differ from our own, and to even escape our own fears and doubts. It can be challenging to intentionally commit to sharing the love and light we experience in those moments of intimacy with God in the face of the gritty realities of our frail human relationships. Throughout the season of Epiphany, we've been talking about how to share the good news and with whom. How to share the good news when you're feeling inadequate and insecure. How to share the good news when it might not feel like there's much good news to share. And those to whom we are responsible to share God's love and forgiveness. This morning, I wonder if we are like the disciples who witness the amazing transformational power of the love and light of relationship with God 
and yet keep that light to ourselves. I wonder what it would take for us to share that light with everyone we meet. I am reminded of a reflection from a personal spiritual hero of mine, Thomas Merton. As a Trappist monk, much of his adult life was cloistered from the world, a kind of perpetual mountaintop experience. One day, as he walked through the shopping district in my hometown, he saw the people around him in a new light. He wrote, there is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts. The depths of their hearts where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach. The core of their reality. The person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. Merton realized that the separation between himself and others was artificial, an illusion created by his belief that to be truly with God, one must be on the mountaintop. No matter where we are, we can equally share the capacity to be transformed by the abundance of God's love and light and life. So it turns out that location maybe isn't as important as we might think, because God is with us in the mundane messiness too. What Merton doesn't say is how hard it is, having had that realization, to go out and live like you mean it. How difficult it can be to actually live into the ways in which we are transformed through relationship with God. How difficult it can be to see the light of that transformation shining in the faces of our coworkers and our classmates, of our neighbors and the strangers we meet on the street. So I wonder, what keeps you from shining for all to see, radiant from your encounters with God? What keeps you from acknowledging the light you see in the faces of others? May God grant us all the courage to see and be seen, to love and to be loved, to completely surrender to the transformation that comes from communion with God. <clears throat>